Good morning. It's so good to be with you. Our reading uh, comes from Mark's Gospel, chapter 9, verses 30 to 41. Um, I'll pray first and I'll read the passage and we'll go straight into the reflection from there. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word as vibrant and as alive uh, today as it was 2,000 years ago. And once again, we ask you to open our ears and our hearts to receive anything that you may want to say to us this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. They left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of, of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. But they did not understand what he, he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. They came to Capernaum. When he went into the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet, because on the way, they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, If anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child and had him stand among them. Taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. Teacher, said John, we saw a man driving out demons in your name. And we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said. No one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. I tell you the truth. Anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to Christ will certainly not lose his reward. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Sometimes it is only when we're deprived of what we call normal life that God can move us into a new normal that is better than the old normal ever was. And in today's reading from Mark's Gospel, we see Jesus leading his 12 into a new normal in which they have to live in the world without being of the world. At this point uh, in Mark's narrative, uh, Jesus' main activity has switched from a public ministry of preaching and healing in Galilee uh, to a private ministry as he prepares the 12 to carry on his work of proclaiming the good news and laying the foundations of his church. And in this morning's reading, his teaching is taken up mainly with the true meaning of greatness and what is servant leadership. Uh, we join Jesus and the Twelve as they return from a field trip. Uh, he'd, he'd just taken them out of their comfort zone in predominantly Jewish Galilee into a predominantly pagan area of Tyre and Sidon in the region of Caesarea Philippi. Now we know that when Jesus takes them away, it is not to take uh, the disciples out of the world. It is to take the world out of the disciples. And we can't really grasp uh, the teaching that follows unless we first 
try to uh, we first remember uh, what Jesus means when he talks about the world. The world, quote-unquote, is his metaphor, his shorthand, if you like, for a set of beliefs and values and ways of thinking that are actively opposed and hostile to uh, his father and the, t- uh, and the will of his father. And they are actively uh, opposed uh, to, the, uh, to the beliefs and values and teaching of Christianity. Now, the world is characterized by greed, by dog-eat-dog competitiveness, and by self-centeredness. In the world, life is cheap. Uh, people, uh, wealth is valued and people are used, which is the exact opposite of the kingdom, where people are valued and wealth is used. Um, the world is a place where people live with anxiety and fear, whereas the kingdom is, uh, we li- in the kingdom we live with, by trusting in God's plan and faith in his provision. Jesus calls Satan the prince of this world, and yet in spite of this, he wants his followers to live in the world and work there and grow and play and be fruitful in the world. And he knows that we won't always find that easy. That's why in John 16, Jesus says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And before his crucifixion, uh, Jesus prayed for his disciples and he prayed in, in these terms. He said, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, uh, but that you protect them from the evil one. So against this background, we come uh, and join the disciples as they come back from their field trip. And they've had an amazing time. What an amazing trip it was. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Eddie reminded us that uh, they had, uh, if they'd wondered about his true nature, uh, Jesus gave them a lightning vision of his divinity uh, when they witnessed his transfiguration on top of this mountain. And if they wondered whether he'd come as Messiah only to the Jewish people, uh, Jesus demonstrated that he had come f- to, for everyone, everywhere, by performing his miracles among the Gentiles. And in this, this morning's narrative begins with Jesus telling them for the, for the second time that he would be betrayed and killed, but that he would rise again in three days. And the text tells us that they still didn't understand um, what he was saying, but that they were afraid to ask. And it's not surprising they were afraid to ask, because the last time he told them, uh, the conversation didn't go at all well. Uh, you may recall from the previous chapter, uh, Mark 8, how uh, when G- the first time Jesus predicted that he would die and ri- rise again, Peter reacted very angrily, and he started telling Jesus off. Uh, this is this prompted Jesus' famous reply, Get behind me, Satan, you do not have the mind of the things of God, but the things of men. Uh, the trouble is, and I have some sympathy for Peter, is that the things of men, both for Peter and for us, are really much easier uh, because that's what we're used to. And understanding the things of God uh, is not always so straightforward, is it? So and so we find the disciples still speculating about the kind of kingdom it is that Jesus is talking about. They still think that he's the, maybe the long-awaited Messiah who's going to be a political figure, he'll kick out the Romans and establish some sort of, of earthly kingdom. And that's why we find in verse uh, 34 that they were arguing about who would get the top jobs. Their minds were still, as we see, uh, with the things of men, not the things of God. Years later, uh, the Apostle Paul would echo Jesus' words in his letter to the Romans. 
And Romans 12, 2, we, we read, do not conform any longer to the pattern uh, of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the minds, of your minds. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. And even in today's world, many of us still struggle to understand really what the transformation of the mind is that Jesus seeks from us. Um, well, so now we find Jesus and the Twelve back in their home territory of Galilee. Uh, they've entered a house in Capernaum where Jesus is about to give them some homeschooling on true greatness and the meaning of servant leadership. But he begins with a question uh, to which, incidentally, he already knows the answer. He said, well, what were you arguing about on the road? And they don't reply because they know that he knows that uh, they were arguing about who is the greatest. Um, and uh, in their world, as in ours, uh, there, there's an obsession of, uh, with, with rank and with status and position. And the word service, uh, the word service and all its derivatives, servant, servitude, civility, are really associated with um, low status. Uh, so Jesus tackles the status thing head on. And he, he teaches them, uh, first of all, that his father's kingdom is an upside down kingdom in which serving is better than being served and giving is better than receiving. And uh, Jesus drives home this upside downness of uh, his kingdom in verse 35, saying, if anyone wants to be the first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. Now, how many conflicts in our workplaces and in our even our churches um, would be resolved if those in charge uh, didn't hunger uh, for power and authority but had as their overriding desire uh, simply uh, the desire to meet the needs of their colleagues and their customers uh, wouldn't it be a different world and how many marriages uh, would be solved and resolved if uh, the partners gave priority to keeping their marriage vows, uh, putting each other first in all circumstances, not looking first to what they can get out of the relationship, but first at putting the, the needs of the other one uh, in front of their own. But notice that Jesus' teaching is not only about being a servant, but being a servant of all. Um, in the world, given the choice, uh, those who serve prefer serving those who can give them something back. It could be money or even public recognition or more work, whatever. But as Jesus followers, we are called to serve those who are least able to repay or reward us in any way. And to illustrate the point, Jesus takes a little boy and places him among them. And taking the child in his arms, he says in our text, whoever welcomes one of these children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. Now, to get the significance of what Jesus is saying here, we need to remember the status of children in first century Palestine. Um, it was very, very different from the way that we regard children in our society. In their world, um, children occupied a position that was only just above the position of slaves and in some ways, a slave is more valuable than a child. Because children contribute nothing uh, to the economy. Children are totally dependent <coughs> on others for their upkeep. 
Children cannot repay you in any tangible way for anything that you give them. And the child in this passage, uh, if you think about it, represents all those who come into our lives, regardless of their age or sex or race or education or background, who are in any kind of need, uh, but cannot repay us in any way whatsoever. Uh, Jesus expects his disciples to serve those in need with a glad heart, without uh, counting the cost and without expecting anything in return. But that's not all. Um, if you look at verse 37, he says, And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. At the heart of our service is a desire to lead those that we serve um, to the Father. Our service will always be a response to what Jesus did for us on the cross and a response for God's experience, the experience of God's love for us. And as the Apostle John says in his first letter, he says, um, we love because God loved us first. And as his disciples, we are also all, and that's really the next point, called to servant leadership. And that means that we are among the first to serve and among the first to give and among the first uh, to put others first. Um, interestingly, uh, this pandemic has uh, generated a great longing for change. Um, I don't know if you read the, 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 the report, the Britain Thinks survey that was uh, published in The Guardian um, last Saturday. Um, and according to that, only 12% of us want to, re to, the work, to return to life just as it was before the pandemic. We long, um, and here I quote, for, quote, a kinder society uh, that uh, prioritizes better support for people struggling with mental and physical health, uh, uh, that, that uh, allows workers time off to be with friends and family, that cares about the environment, and that, that ensures high levels of employment. But you and I know that such a longing uh, for change can only really be satisfied when enough of us uh, have allowed God to take the old world out of us and put a new world in, a new normal uh, by the power of his Holy Spirit, a new normal uh, that uh, seeks his kingdom first and his will first. Only God has the power <coughs> to take, take the world out of us. And only he really ultimately can teach us how to live in the world, but not be uh, of the world. And in this new normal, uh, we must all be willing to be uh, servant leaders. Now, some of us are very reluctant to lead for fear of messing up, um, but servant leadership doesn't look anything like leadership uh, does in the world. <coughs> in the world, the qualified are called. Um, in God's upside-down kingdom, um, God qualifies those that have been called. Uh, if, for proof, you don't have to look any further than at the credentials of the men that Jesus chose to be his disciples. Uh, in the world, leadership is positional. Um, uh, those who lead, lead because of their position and their rank, and the rest of us just follow. In God's kingdom, uh, leadership is situational. It's determined by gifting and by calling. 
Uh, in practice, that means that in some situations uh, you lead and I follow, and in other situations you lead and I, fo I lead and you follow. Um, many who don't know Jesus, of course, are, uh, oh yes, I, I must say this about my name. I, I want to close, actually, by focusing on what Jesus means in, when he says, in my name. That's a very important point, this. Um, we see it in the final verse of our reading. Uh, many don't know, uh, many who don't know Jesus at all, are very kind, very generous, very unselfish. And, uh, but what sets Jesus' disciples apart is that they do everything in Jesus' name to the glory of God and for the building of his kingdom. Um, the words we speak and the, and the things we do must point others to God to the one who and to the one who by his suffering and his death and his resurrection has carried away our sins and our guilt and has enabled us to enjoy a new normal living as servant leaders uh, and as true sons of the living god sons and daughters of the living god and that brings me to our final point our reading ends with uh, john one of the twelve coming to jesus with a complaint and he says, Master, we saw a man driving demons out in your name and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. To which Jesus replies, do not stop him. No one who performs a miracle in my name um, can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. In the world, we, the natural inclination is to set up barriers to determine who is in and who is out. But that cannot be the case in God's kingdom. All who believe uh, in God, uh, Father, Son and Holy Spirit and who have accepted the Lord Jesus as their personal Lord and Saviour um, are, are brothers and sisters in the kingdom of God. Uh, when my wife Victoria and I are, are far away from home, uh, we have often been blessed in the past and will no doubt in the future be blessed uh, and spiritually fed in churches and fellowships uh, whose uh, styles of worship and, and, le and, and leading is very different from what we're used to. And as disciples of Jesus, we are called uh, to serve and allow ourselves to be served by fellow believers, uh, some of whom may be very different from us. Um, for as Jesus says so emphatically in Mark uh, 9.41, the final verse of our reading, I tell you in truth, Whoever gives you a cup of water in my name um, <clears throat> because you belong to Christ will certainly not lose his reward. Jesus took his disciples away uh, to take, not to take them out of the world, but to take the world out of them. Uh, he took them to where he could teach them about servant leadership and the cost of discipleship. Um, he taught them uh, to do everything, everything in the name of God, pointing to the Father in the, uh, in the name of Jesus, pointing to the Father um, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. As the Apostle Paul says in Colossians, Colossians 3.17, And whatever you do, whether it be in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Today and every day, uh, you and I are called to live uh, in the world, but to model a different way of thinking 
and a different and different a different set of values. We are called to march uh, to a different drumbeat, the drumbeat of the kingdom of God. Um, we must never dismiss uh, the pain and the, the suffering um, and uh, that the, the the coronavirus crisis has caused to so many of us, and it continues to cause to so many of us. And we pray daily that it may end soon. But, you know, we also recognize that God is using this time to draw us to himself, uh, to change the way we think about the world and the way that we treat other people. Uh, so let us then at this time, when uh, we have been deprived of our uh, old normal, allow God to lead us into the new and the better normal that he has prepared for us. Amen.